Please stand for the reading today from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. 
When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Happy Easter. And thank you for inviting me to reflect upon Luke chapter 15 on this second Sunday of Easter. Now this is the first Sunday of the liturgical year where we are called to commemorate and celebrate that Christ is risen. As we are called to do every Sunday, all year long. It seems very appropriate to reflect upon the parables of chapter 15 in light of the extraordinary events of Easter morning. We have read the chapter in its entirety, also because the opening provides us with a backdrop to which the parables constitute a response. Tax collectors and sinners are gathering around to hear Jesus speak. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are critical of Jesus. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law seem outraged and shocked by the way Jesus interacts with these people. Who are they? Tax collectors were reviled by the Jews at the time of Jesus because of their perceived greed and collaboration with the Roman occupiers. So they could be seen as traitors. Sinners is perhaps a label more difficult to define. It is likely that it would include people who in one way or the other had a lax relationship with the Jewish law, or had perhaps decided to, in a way much like the tax collectors, to exploit opportunities that the contemporary situation in Palestine was offering within an empire under strong Hellenistic influence. We should remember that the law had taken on an even greater importance for the Jews in the post-exilic era. So a laxity in observance of the law or an emancipation from the law would probably be considered not only a question of indecency or insubordination, but in fact a threat against or betrayal of the very existence of Israel. It is therefore not just a question of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law 
frowning upon sinful behavior. It is probably more existential than that. Which is precisely why it is important for Jesus to address the anger of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. We heard that their disapproval is intensified by the way Jesus interacts with these people. Not only is he allowing the tax collectors and perceived sinners to attend his teaching, he has even been seen to join with them in the most intimate form of fellowship, sharing meals. And so, in responding to the anger and criticism from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, Jesus tells three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. Three parables that talk of losing, finding, and rejoicing. If one of you, Jesus says to those gathered around him, if one of you had a hundred sheep and were to lose one of them, would he not leave the 99 and search for the lost sheep until he finds it? And then immediately call his friends and neighbors together and say, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Jesus himself explains what this parable means. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The parable of the lost coin has a similar narrative. A woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. After intense searching, she finds the missing coin. And she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Again, Jesus explains what this parable means. It describes the way there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So these first two parables, in fact, take us to heaven, where God and the angels reside. The narrative of being lost and found seems fairly straightforward. It is the rejoicing and celebration of having found that is perhaps peculiar. Why is there such joy for the repentant sinner? Why does heaven care so much? We sense that the parables of Luke chapter 15 have something important to say about the nature of God's love. Now, the third parable, that of the lost son, spells out this gospel of love in a more detailed narrative. And it brings us to another central aspect of these parables, namely, what it means to be estranged from God, what it means for the sinner, and what it means for God. The youngest of the two sons decides to ask for his share of the estate and leaves his father's home and sets off for a distant country. He squanders his wealth in wild living and during a famine ends up penniless and hungry, deprived even of the pods the pigs he was tending had been given to eat. He reaches an important point, at once a low point and a high point, 
He comes to his senses. In Norwegian it reads, han kom til sig selv. He comes to himself. And so he decides to return to his father. And we hear the words of repentance he plans to say to his father. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. His father sees him from a distance and, filled with compassion for him, runs to meet him, throws his arms around him, and kisses him. And before the son can complete his planned speech, the father orders his servants to dress his son in the best robe, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and to kill the fattened calf for a feast to celebrate. Again, to send, get a sense of the impact of what Jesus is saying to his listeners at the time, we must appreciate the extraordinary behavior of the father. It would likely be unheard of for a father as head of a family to be running towards his scandalized son in this way, embrace him and dress him up like a prince, as if the son's behavior was of no consequence. Rather than judge and find a fair and probably severe punishment, it is the overwhelming compassion a pure love that completely dominates the father. There is no balancing act here. It is simply the rejoicing, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. Life returns to the son as he returns to the Father, because God is able to yet again pour out his endless and unconditional love over the Son who is now finally within reach again. Now the parable does not end here. The older son who has remained by his father's side and worked tirelessly for him all along is angered by his father's embrace of his younger brother. And so he refuses to take part in the celebration. His father goes to him and pleads with him. But the oldest son says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. He frankly seems to have a point, does he not? This time, Jesus does not explain the parable. But keeping the introduction to these parables in mind, it is at this stage Jesus addresses the Pharisees and the teachers of the law directly. The older son represents the 99, the righteous who do not need to repent. And it is to them, the father says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Through these parables, 
Jesus invites us to try to grasp what love is. It goes to the heart and source of God's creation, why God created us and the rest of creation in the first place. Love came first. God does not distinguish between those who merit his love and those who do not. Because God's love cannot be merited. The eldest son and the righteous do not need to fear losing God's love because it is there for everyone. As much as understanding the nature of love, we get insight into what it means to be estranged from God, what it means for the sinner, and what it means for God. The righteous setting borders for the reach of God's love, as the eldest son seems to think only fair, insisting that love has to do with merit, is a form of estrangement from God in itself. It is an example of the impossibility for humans to be perfect, of fully being able to understand who God is, which is why we in church consider all of us to be sinners, of course. It is the starting point from which the path of repentance begins. Jesus interacts with all people in their capacity as sinners who need forgiveness, then as now. The problem with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law is perhaps the same that we ourselves have often encountered within the church, namely that we focus on the pure ethics of sin. But sin is a religious, not an ethical term. The parable of the lost son tells us that the essence of sin is turning away from God. I was fortunate enough to spend Easter morning in Durham, in England, and the Bishop of Durham said in his sermon on Easter Day this year, humankind's basic problem is our break with God. We choose to serve ourselves rather than God. We give ourselves to all kinds of idols rather than to the living God. We are sinners who need forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration with God, our maker. I think the parable of the lost son is a beautiful illustration of this. And so it is fundamentally linked to the Easter story because at the cross, God puts us in the right with himself. Knowing then that we are forgiven, that we are beloved children of God, whose eternity is held secure in God's loving hands, we discover that we can be at peace with ourselves and each other. Jesus, in these parables, never denies the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He criticizes them for understanding piety in a way that ends up setting human boundaries for God's love. 
When Jesus dines with tax collectors and sinners, the righteous should celebrate and be glad because the lost have been found. They have responded to Jesus' calling. They have come to their senses, as the lost son did. And they are on their way home. Everything about Jesus, including his words, his parables, is an expression of God's self-offering love. Because Jesus is God incarnate. Forgiveness is part of the eschatological reality that Jesus Christ has brought to humankind through his cross and resurrection. Martin Luther says, where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. But what is our contribution in all of this? What is asked of us? I think it is to come to our senses, to come to ourselves. And if humankind's basic problem is our break with God, our constant choosing to serve ourselves and our failure to acknowledge our utter dependence on God, repentance is both a significant task and one we cannot do once and for all, but need to integrate into our lives as Christians. Thankfully, every Sunday and every day provides us with an opportunity to do just that a day for both penitence and celebration. A day we boldly and without hesitation are called to rejoice with heaven that we need not fear that God's love has boundaries. God does not need us because of anything in particular about us. If he did, he would perhaps be more interested in the more righteous than the less so. But our parables tell us that the opposite is true. God goes looking for us long before we look for him. And as soon as we come to our senses, as soon as we come to ourselves, we will see him, full of compassion, ready to embrace us. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you that you may know that he is gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards each and every one of you into the reality of your lives, into the darkest of nights and the brightest of days, that he may bring you his peace. So go in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and serve the Lord, serve the world, and serve each other joyfully.